listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. Well, you know, nothing quite says, I admit it, I need help, as much as finding yourself on the side of the road with your thumb out in Iceland. In my defense, I had a good plan. Uh, our family, my wife and, I, and daughter and I and a couple of our friends, we had landed on the east side of the, the island that Iceland occupies in a town called Sædisfjordur or something like that. And, and, and the plan was to make our way across the southern side of the island all the way to Reykjavik over the course of a couple of days, relying on public transit, buses. Because according to the internet, there are buses. Like I said, I had a plan. We, we briefly thought about renting a car, but $1,500 for four days, that was a little much when the buses didn't really cost that much. And it was great this day that we were out at this glacier lagoon. We were checking it out early in the morning. We had actually paid a taxi, 150 bucks to drive us for 45 minutes to this, this lagoon so we could check it out and then catch the bus. It was a great plan. The bus was supposed to come at, I don't know, 10 o'clock, something like that. Bus never shows up. So we go asking somebody, hey, um, is there supposed to be a bus? The internet said 10 o'clock. They're like, hey, it's Saturday. They come at like 1130. It's like, oh, great. We get another hour and a half to check this place out. 1130 comes and goes, no bus. So we ask again, hey, wasn't there supposed to be a bus? And somebody says, oh, they haven't run buses on Saturday since COVID. <laughs> Thanks, internet. So I found myself and my wife and my daughter and our two friends standing in the rain on the side of the road in Iceland with our thumbs out, hoping someone would drive us five and a half hours to Reykjavik. Now that day, that morning, if I had known that I was going to be in need of rescue, I would have done the day a little bit differently. Right? Namely, not put myself in the position where I needed rescue. But that day kind of went through these phases. It started with this phase where we're like, everything's great. We're tourists. We're taking pictures. We're posing. We're playing hide-and-go-seek behind giant, these giant ice things that are washed up on the beach and pieces of glacier. And all this stuff is amazing. And then the bus doesn't come at 10 or whatever time. We're like, oh, this will be fine. I'm sure, you know, the next one. We're like, a little bit nervous, you know, but we'll be fine. And then it doesn't show up at all. And we're like, oh, now the whole day has moved into I need help phase. Every year, our kind of annual calendar goes through a similar cycle. Because when we get to Christmas, we remember again, I mean, the whole reason we celebrate Christmas is because we're basically acknowledging I need help. I need help. Uh, the four weeks of Advent at Faith Church, if you've been with us, you know, we've been talking through some different, like, big theological questions around Christmas. We've called the, the whole series, Why Christmas? And we've wondered, okay, why do we need help? Why did we need somebody? Why did we need God to come down from heaven for us? Why couldn't we, you know, make it right ourselves? And then we stopped to ask ourselves, okay, well, say, so God did come. Well, why did God come? Why did Jesus come fully God and and fully human? Did that matter? What we call the incarnation. Did that matter? And did it matter? Last week we looked at, did it matter that Jesus was born without a human father involved in his conception at all? Right? And that's a fairly minor miracle com compared to like the son of God becoming human. So if we're good with that, we're, we're kind of good with the rest of it. And then this morning when we gathered at nine, Pastor Jeff led us through the, this question, well, how does all of that drive us to celebrate? 
because God has come to us first. As we've gone through these passages, there's one thing that we've skipped over each week and not really drawn any attention to because we we're saving it for tonight. You may have noticed it there in the passage uh, that was just read. Uh, both in this version of the nativity story that Matthew recounts and in Luke's version of it that he writes down, uh, the angel shows up and has a message, you're going to have a son. And here the angel says to Joseph and over in Luke's version, the angel says to Mary, when he's born, you will name him Jesus. You'll name him Jesus because he's going to save. He's going to save his people from their sins. You'll name him Jesus because he's going to save. Now, I know at kind of our point in history, we're far enough removed from this 2,000 years ago that we kind of forget that Jesus is a pretty common name. Uh, there was lots of little Jesuses running around uh, during Jesus's time. In fact, if you look in the Old Testament, Jesus' name shows up there about 230 times, just in its, its Hebrew version, its Aramaic version of Yeshua or Joshua. Uh, Yeshua or Joshua in Greek becomes Jesus, or in English it becomes Jesus. And Hebrew names, unlike many of our names in English, Hebrew names are just loaded up with meaning. You know, names are chosen specifically because most Hebrew names are actually just vocabulary words that you learn in, like, intro to Hebrew class. For instance, my name, Joseph. I'm Joey, by the way. Uh, Joseph, um, I have to Google it every time to remember what it means, you know, Joseph name meaning, uh, and then the internet tells me. I have no problem remembering that a Joey is a baby kangaroo, um, <laughs> but I can't remember that Joseph means uh, he will add or God will give. And it's just a vocab word and a name. So I can be reading in scripture. I can be like in Proverbs 3 and, and the, the character in Proverbs is saying, my son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace, they will Joseph to you. They'll add to you. See, my name's right there because my name's just a, a vocab word. And I know if that seems a little bit weird, just stop and think for a second, how many of our English names are actually verbs? Right? Anybody here named Mark, Sue, Bob, Jack, Jimmy, Wade? I mean, we can keep going, right? <laughs> There's a lot of verbs amongst us all here. In fact, I made a list. What did I miss? Oh, Pat, Don, Grant, uh, Rob, Nick, Will, Josh, Hope, Chuck. I mean, we have so many of our uh, names that are actually also words. We just kind of, you know, you know when you're talking about someone's name or you're just reading it as just uh, another vocab word. It's the same with my name, Joseph, and same with Jesus, Yeshua. For instance, Exodus 15, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my, do you know the next word? Salvation, my Jesus, my Yeshua. He has become my salvation, which is exactly what the angel says here. To Joseph here in Matthew's telling of the story and to Mary in Luke's telling of the story, the angel says, you have to name him Jesus. You have to name him salvation. When this boy is born, you have to name him salvation because he's going to save his people from their sins, which is great news for anyone willing to admit that they need saving right? 
Stories of rescue or offers of rescue only carry emotional weight with them. They're only appealing if you realize you need rescue. All of those tourist buses that we saw coming to this lagoon and then leaving again held no meaning for me until I wanted to be on one of them. I didn't know I needed rescue. But then once I did, well, then the name means something. Now, what I, I find really significant here is that the angel in both places uh, says to Joseph, says to Mary, name him Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins, their own sins. We're talking about a people who are living in subjugation. There's a Roman government over them that has the right to beat them, abuse them, ex- extract exorbitant taxes from them, all sorts of things. And yet the angel is saying, Jesus is going to de- save you know, your people, not from the Roman sins, but from their own sins. Now, that's part of it, and it comes later, but here, it says it's going to save your people from their own sins. Now, let me ask you a question. This is just, you know, opinion, show of hands, whatever. Uh, Who feels that other people's sins are definitely weightier and more significant than their own? (laughs) Okay, just some of the kids. Yep. No, I get it. I have brothers. You know, I tend to think, man, if everyone else got fixed, then this would all go great, right? Life would work so much better if everyone else was taken care of. And everyone else is thinking that of me, right? And all the rest of you all, we're all everyone else. See, the angel says, you have to name him salvation, because he's gonna save you from your sins. And your sins have to come first before you can have any part in helping other people be delivered from their sins. I went down one of those internet rabbit holes the other day into these science videos on YouTube and watched one about um, hypoxia. Uh, you know, how your brain functions under lack of oxygen. It was a guy who was really curious about it. He's like, what happens, you know, when fighter pilots are pulling 10 Gs? What, what happens when blood can't get to their brain? There's no oxygen. So he voluntarily went into an Air Force testing center where they slowly deprived him of oxygen, like put him in a giant vacuum where there's no oxygen and gave him a mask and then he took it off. And it was fascinating because it's science, it's nerdy, and it's on the internet. So it's, it's amazing. Um, The reason he was doing all this research, though, was because ultimately his point came down to being, you know, when you're on an airplane and it's cruising at high altitude and they tell you, hey, in case of a sudden loss of cabin pressure, these layer masks are going to drop down and it doesn't look like they're inflating, but they are. And they always tell you, put it on yourself first before anyone else, right? Do you know why? Because at that altitude, you've got about three to five seconds before the lack of oxygen means you can't think straight anymore. Three to five seconds to recognize this is a problem, I need saving. And deliverance, Yeshua, Jesus drops from the ceiling. And you can put the mask on. But you have to put your mask on first before you can be part of anyone else. Can you imagine sitting there without your mask on going, you're doing it wrong? Right? How come you don't have your mask on? We have to deal with our sins first 
before we can be any part in helping other people uh, with their sins. But I know, (laughs) how many of you like to admit I have a sin problem that needs to be dealt with? The other day I ran out of gas in my car, I mean. And (laughs) thank you. Driving along, no problem, got home, turned the car off. Next day, started the car, it started right up and then died. And I was like, hmm, I'm gonna ignore the little fuel icon and assume it's the, the fuel pump that's the problem. Because I had a little bit of gas in the garage, I put it in, still wouldn't start. So I had another friend go help me get more gas, bring it over, put it in. And as I'm standing there with the gas can, you know, pu- putting gas in my car, I just looked at him and said, this is the most emasculating position a guy can find himself in. At least it was in my own driveway and not out on the side of the road, right? None of us want to admit that we can get ourselves into this kind of situation where we need rescue. None of us want to admit that we're in a situation where we need rescue. But all of us are kind of somewhere along that, I don't know what you would call it, a progression. You know, we start out, uh, many of us are, are probably still here, where like, life's great, we're taking pictures, we're acting like tourists, everything's amazing, we don't even know yet we need rescued. And then some of us are kind of in that second phase where it's like, I'm beginning to suspect that not everything is going great. I'm not exactly sure what yet, but it seems like some things aren't really lining up. I have a plan, but it's not entirely working. I don't know, maybe you find yourself in that third phase finally where you're looking at your life and going, you know what, I, I need help. Like your thumb is out and up. I need help. Or maybe you're in the fourth and final uh, phase where it's like, oh, I've been rescued. Rescue has finally come in the form of a Polish bus driver in Iceland driving a half full uh, tourist bus who took us all the way back to Reykjavik, and we got to stop and do everything the tour did along the way. It was great, and I told my wife, see, look, everything works, and she's like, that is not the lesson. <laughs> Free to learn from this. <laughs> the lesson is, don't get yourself in a place where you need rescue, except we're all there. That's what Christmas reminds us, and that's why we stop on Christmas Eve and on Christmas morning, and we celebrate and remember that God came to rescue us. There's no point in God coming to rescue us if we don't need rescue. We don't need salvation. As a church, we've been studying through a book of the New Testament called Acts. It's the Acts of the Early Church. So it's, it's the history of the very beginning of the whole church movement that we're still part of today. And in one of the early sermons in this book, uh, one of the main leaders is standing up and he's preaching to this crowd and he tells them, there is salvation in no other name. No other name has been given among people by which you can be saved than the name of Jesus. There is Jesus in Jesus. There's salvation in his name and his name alone. All of us need to be rescued. And this season, we remind ourselves either we need rescue or we've been rescued, and now we're waiting for the final rescue. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you have reached out to us and come to us first in Jesus, in salvation, that you have become our light and our life and have become our 
Yeshua, our Joshua, our Jesus, our deliverance, our salvation. Father, each of us before you wrestles with whether or not we really believe that we need to be delivered from ourselves and the brokenness we see inside of ourselves and the brokenness between us and you, us and others, us and even the world around us. So Father, tonight on this holy night, remind us that you would not have come if we did not need rescuing. And help us to find our deliverance in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.